So good to have you today. If you have your Bibles or something with your Bibles on it, turn with us to uh, Acts chapter 20. And uh, as you're doing that, let me just say how amazing a job these young adults behind us today, they're between the ages of 20 and about 15. And they did an incredible job today leading us in worship. You know, sometimes when when students and young adults lead, they're just, they're, they're just trying to find their way and trying to learn. And these guys led us right into the presence of the Lord today. And guys, thank you so much for, um, for all that you do. Uh, so uh, as you're doing that, a couple of things I want to mention to you, important things in the life of our church. Uh, following the service today, um, if you're a member, if you'll stick around, we're going to have something that we do every two years. We're going to have Church and Pastors Council elections, and uh, we'll take care of that at the end of the service today. But uh, I mentioned just a moment ago when we introduced our new members that last Sunday uh, in this service, we had 25 people baptized. That is something worth praising God for. We had 535 people on campus last Sunday. That is amazing. Our second highest attendance in the history of the church. And I get it. There was a lot of people here to see family and friends get baptized. But everybody who came in was exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what counts. Amen. And uh, and a growing church, and especially as we're growing with new families and young families, means that we have needs. And and you know very, very rarely, some of you have never seen me stand here and say, hey, we have a specific need. But we have a specific need that uh, we need your help with. Our kids' ministry especially is booming, and our nursery especially is growing and uh, we need nursery workers. Now, here's a great thing about being a nursery worker at Ringan Church of God. You can come to a service and serve and serve the children at 9 o'clock, and then you can worship at 11. And a lot of y'all do that all the time. And thank you so much for those of you who serve. We have three uh, different nursery rooms, and, and our nursery team is doing such an amazing job. But we have so many little babies who are coming here that we need help. And, uh, and if you don't love babies... You may not love to change diapers, but everybody loves babies. And if you don't, you need to get saved because they just came from heaven. I mean, they smell like heaven most of the time. I walked past the hallway last Sunday on my way out. I was like, "Woo!" somebody was thumping today. But thank God for those nursery workers who take care of those things. Next Sunday, one of our biggest days of the year, don't forget about it. It's Fall Family Fun Day, 10 o'clock in the Five Acres. We'll have an outdoor worship service and one of our biggest outdoor events of the year. We need you to bring a lawn chair or you'll be sitting on the ground. We need you to bring a pot of chili or soup or you won't have anything to eat. And so when you bring your chili or soup, come into the front door of the Life Center, drop it off, head out. You see all the details behind me, and uh, those are all on the website. But we're going to have a great day uh, with family and friends, and it's always a wonderful time with our Fall Family Fun Day. So today, we're finishing up a message series we've been in 
called Divine Direction. And uh, much of what we're sharing in this series comes from a book and a message series by Pastor Craig Rochelle. I, I like to tell you if I'm stealing good material, and I'm stealing really good material in the series. And if you want more, you can go uh, pick up that book. And there's also a uh, Bible reading plan that goes along with the book that's actually in the YouVersion Bible app today. Uh, in our plan for today, and uh, hopefully some of you are taking advantage of that. So let's take a look at our scripture for the series. We've been focusing on one verse in the series, and I want us all to read it out together today. Psalm 32, 8. Here we go. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. God, thank you for that promise. And Lord, today as we, um, as we unpack more of what this message series is all about and we conclude it, we pray that uh, your word would find the, the heart and the targets of the people that, that it needs to find. I pray that our hearts and spirits would be good soil and produce uh, strong roots and a beautiful harvest for the glory of your name. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. How many of you know that's true in your life? That's been our recurring main thought of this series, Divine Direction. And one of the things we've been saying is that who you are today is a result of the decisions you've made in the past. Who you'll be in the future is a result of the decisions you are making today. Decisions matter. And aren't we thankful that we have an amazing, gracious God who even when we make bad decisions, redeems us. Well, that's good news today. And so throughout this series, we've been learning, you know, how do we make the right decisions? And I know some of you, you got some big decisions before you. You're trying to decide what to do with college or your job or your career. You're trying to decide if you need to keep dating that person or, or get an upgrade. Some of you are trying to decide if you need to ask uh, that person to marry you or if you need to change jobs or if it's time to retire. And hopefully in this series, we've shared some things that have been helpful. In week one, we talked about what God cares about. And we said that God's will is who before do and why before what. God is more concerned about who we are than what we do. He's more concerned about why we do it than what we do. And we said it this way, if we're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. If you're driven by the right why, God will help you and lead you to the right what. Who before do, why before what. Then last week we talked about wisdom to decide. And we said, okay, if I've got the who before the do and the why before the what in place, then God just show me what to do. How many of you have ever prayed that prayer for, before? Lord, just show me what to do. And God, if you'll show me what to do, then I will do it. And we learn that often God doesn't guide us far out. He guides us step by 
step. Anybody seen this to be true in your life? We say, God, show me what to do. And God says, I'll give you wisdom to decide. We want God to just write it in the clouds, right? But he says, you know what? I'll give you wisdom to decide, and here's how I'll do it. If you'll walk with the wise, this is what we said last week, you'll become wise. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future, we said. If you ask, God will give you the wisdom you need to make those decisions. And then sometimes after we walk and we ask, we just got to decide. We have to take a step of faith. And so uh, once we get the who and the do and the why and the what and the walk and the ask and the decide in place, what can we expect? As we begin to try to find God's will for our lives. What can we expect on the journey? And today we're gonna to talk about four things that we can expect along the journey. And, and thinking about what we can expect along the journey, I got to thinking about some of the things that I expect when the five of us go on a journey. I got to thinking about, you know, when, when we go on trips together, when the kids were little, I could always expect that if we were staying in a hotel, the three of them would argue over who hits the buttons to go up the elevator. Anybody know this is true. And then they'd argue who gets the card to use to get in the door. And then we had three and we put them all in the same bed and they would argue over who slept in the middle. They still do that. And we still cram them all in one bed sometimes. And now we've got one that's married, so we'll have to put four in one. But just kidding, we won't do that to Trent and Kate. We won't do that to them. And, uh, and so, you know, you, you kind of know things you expect. And, and I'm not just going to throw, I've only got one here this morning. I'm not going to throw all of them under the bus. I'll throw me under the bus, Brock. You'll be glad to know. Because if, if you were to ask them, well, what do we expect about dad on, on the journey? They would say, dad always has to stop and use the bathroom. And that's true, and this is my defense in that, okay? I am the driver. The driver needs to stay hydrated and caffeinated. So if we're driving two hours or six hours or 12 hours at Christmas, I am usually drinking a lot of water and a lot of coffee, and now I'm over 50, which means I gotta stop a lot. That really stinks, and all the men over 50 said, Amen. It stinks. God heal us and help us, but it's just the way it is, and it's probably a little too TMI. Bless those who are watching via satellite. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's just the way it is, and there's certain things that you can expect. Now, let me ask over here in this far left section, somebody just shout at me, uh, what's something along your journey that you can expect as a family when you travel? Somebody. Arguments with the kids. Somebody in the middle. What else? Crying. Okay. All right. Somebody over here in this section. Are we there yet? Absolutely. Somebody over here in this section, what can you expect? Who has to sit in the very back? Who has to sit in the very back? Yeah, exactly. We're hearing people with multiple kids talk a lot. I don't know what it is at Rankin Church of God. Y'all don't just have one. You have four, five, six around here. So, uh, so we kind of know what to expect. But here's the thing. We're going to see today in a passage of Scripture from Acts chapter 20. Paul tells us, here's some things that you can expect whenever you're looking for divine direction. I want to show them to you all today, all four of them. This is what you can expect. Paul says that when we're looking for divine direction, we can expect these four things. The Spirit's prompting, certain uncertainty, predictable resistance, and uncommon confidence. Now, before we 
walk through those. Let's look at Acts chapter 20, and this is what Paul says. Now, Paul is writing this. He's ministering at a church in Ephesus, and he enjoys being there. He's thankful for what he's doing, but God begins to move and say, it's time to do something different, and look what it says. It says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And then he says this, however, I consider my life worth what, church? Nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. Everybody say finish the race. I want to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So here's what Paul says out of the gate. He says, first of all, seeking divine direction. I like where I'm at, but the first thing I know when I'm seeking divine direction, what can I expect on the journey? The Spirit's prompting, first of all. In verse 22, he says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. This isn't something I was looking for, kind of liking where I'm at. Things are going well here in Ephesus, but I feel compelled by the Spirit. Now, that phrase, compelled by the Spirit, when you look at it in the Greek, it's the phrase deo honuma. And the word deo is translated compelled, and the word pneuma is translated spirit, and deo means wrapped up, bound. He's like, I'm there's just something that's kind of all over me. I just feel it. I sense it. I'm compelled that something is going to change. And where does that compelling come from? It comes from the Spirit. It comes from the Holy Spirit, he says. He says, I'm being drawn. I'm pulled. I like it here. But God is showing me and leading me somewhere else. I shared with you guys last week at the end of the message a little bit about our story, about how God has led us to different churches through the years and I remember when we left northern Kentucky in 2001 to move here to Rinkin, Georgia, I remember the day that I felt compelled by the Spirit. We were worship and youth pastors at the time. And I remember a Sunday in October of 2020, I was behind the keyboard leading worship one Sunday morning. And while I was leading worship, I just felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of left and, and just kind of moved in my heart and, and not left, but, but kind of started to take the burden for that house and that church off of our shoulders and just kind of began to say to me, somewhere else may be next in your story. And we weren't expecting that. We were wanting to stay there for a very long time. And it was about eight or nine months later that we moved here to Rinkin, Georgia. But I would say that I felt compelled by the Spirit. Perhaps if you ever feel compelled by the Spirit, you may be, you know, in Walmart or in Kroger or downtown or somewhere, and the Holy Spirit may draw you and compel you to do something for somebody else. Anybody ever had this happen to you? You may, be, you may feel like, you know, you hear about a job offer and you're like, man, I kind of like where I'm at, but I sense maybe the Lord's leading me somewhere else. Maybe there's a situation going on with your children and how many knows that the Holy Spirit will direct you and what's going on in your children's lives? And I feel compelled by the Spirit that something's going on with my kids. I feel, it could be any number of things, but let me tell you, when you have those, those Deo, uh, Hanuma moments, don't ignore them. 
Holy Spirit's trying to show you something and lead you to something. This week I had one of those moments. I was scrolling Facebook. And I saw a, a guy that I went to Lee College with. I really, we were really friends. We were in campus choir together. We were kind of acquaintances. And he, he, is, he is revitalizing a church in Arizona. And he's doing the music and he's preaching. He's got a lot on his plate. And I noticed he said, you know, our church needs $100 for a bass guitar. Anybody know where we get a bass guitar for $100? And I saw that and I felt like, man, maybe we should do something to help him. And, uh, and I didn't move on it immediately. I just, I said, well, I'm going to think about that. And I was like, Lord, if you, if you remind me of that, then I probably need to do that. And, and a, a day went by, two days went by, and, and I thought about it again. And so I messaged him and I said, hey, I said, I saw your, your need. I said, um, God is really blessing our church. I said, we've been blessed in so many different ways. I said, I want to send you $500 from the people of Rinkin Church of God just to say, use that to buy yourself a bass guitar, sound equipment, whatever you need. I felt compelled by the Spirit to help him on behalf of you. You know how we're able to do that, by the way, because you are so faithful in your tithing and giving. See, around here, we don't just keep the lights on and the salaries paid. When you're faithful to give, it gives us the opportunity that when things scroll across our page, things that we bring to the council or things that we talk about that somebody stops by, we're able to give generously because you get. So guess what? If you're a giver in this house, this week you gave to a church in need in Arizona. Praise God for that. And there'll be times where you feel, go ahead and give God praise for that. And there'll be times where you feel compelled by the Spirit to pay for that person's lunch behind you or to reach out to somebody in need. The Spirit works that way. And a lot of times as you're praying for divine direction, something will hit and you'll be like, this is the Holy Spirit at work in me, guiding me. What did Jesus say? One of the things he does is he guides us and he directs us. Amen. So compelled by the Spirit. That's the first thing that we learn the Spirit's prompting. The second thing we know, the second expectation we can have on the journey of divine direction is certain uncertainty. God prompts you to do something or he prompts you that maybe there's gonna be a move or a change, but that's about it. You want details, but there are no details. Anybody ever been there? And this is what happened to Paul. Look at it again, what Paul says. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I know where I'm going. I'm going to Jerusalem, but I don't know what's going to happen there. You know, we didn't have a leadership team meeting and decide when we go there, we're going to bring the band. We have an outdoor tent revival, and we're going to do this and that. He just says, going to Jerusalem, but I don't know what's going to happen next. And so many times when we're wanting divine direction, we're wanting all the details, right? Reminds me of that movie, A Few Good Men. Tom Cruise says, I want the truth. And Jack Nicholson says what? You can't handle the truth. I can't believe y'all watch movies. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. And sometimes they're like, God, will you please give me the truth? And God says, you can't handle No, he doesn't. He says, he says, my child, trust me. You don't want to know everything that's out there to come, right? He says, I'm going to leave you step by step because if I showed you everything, you probably wouldn't take the next step. 
Anybody know that's true, that if God showed you the whole path, you probably wouldn't have taken that next step? We said it like this last week. Often God doesn't guide us far out. Instead, he guides us step by step. Psalm 119, 105 says this. We've sang it this morning. Brad mentioned it in the first words he said. Our ladies who've been on a leader who've been on their retreat this weekend have been in Psalm 119 all morning. And it sounds like the Spirit is talking to Rinkin Church of God. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet, a light for my path. Let's read that together. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Now notice something. And I, I, when I was studying this this week, I, I realized something I'd never really seen. But here's what the Lord is saying. God is saying to us, I'm not giving you a spotlight to your future where you can see it all. But it's a lamp for your feet. So a lot of times what we want, God says, you know, just take it one step at a time. Help me out, guys. And we want to know everything that's going on in the future. But God says, no, just like a flashlight that, yeah, it can give me a little bit out there, but it's not giving me very much, is it? But that I will give you steps one, two, and three. I'll just give you the next few steps. Now, a lot of times we want four, five, and six, right? But God says, take one, two, and three. Have you ever been walking in the woods, South Georgia, on a dark night, no moon, with a a flashlight? And what do you do? There's a path there, but the only way you see that path is if you put that flashlight. And what does that flashlight show you? It shows you steps one, two, and three, not eight, nine, and 10, right? And so the scripture says your what? Your word is the lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if the word, if if the word's gonna light my path, then what have I gotta be doing? I got to be in the Word. Okay, bring the lights back up. I got to be in the Word, right? I got to be reading the Word. I got to be memorizing the Word. I got to be listening to the Word. I got to be singing the Word. I got to be engaged with the Word if if it's going to light my path. Anybody ever notice when you close your Bible and you're not in the Word that things seem to be much more messy and confusing and just not as good, right? Right? But something amazing happens. You know why? Because this word is alive and it's active. And what's so powerful about the word of God is I can pick up a passage that I've read my whole life, but I read it in this season, Jesse, and it means something completely different. It lights up my path in a completely different way. Wow, the power of the word. Somebody says, well, I... I just want certainty, Pastor. I want some certainty, please. Can I have some more certainty than just that? Well, when you open the word, guess what you get? Certainty. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will, look at this, personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Is that encouraging or what? 
He will personally go ahead of you. You know, I, I've had this, Trust and I have been talking about this. I've had this epiphany over the last few weeks that something that I've done in my life and ministry many years has been theologically incorrect. And I'm gonna try not to do this anymore. And that is to say to people, you need to ask Jesus in your heart. I get it. I, I, there's, there's a part of that that's not that bad. But really, we don't need to ask Jesus into our hearts because when I ask Jesus into my heart, I'm saying, Jesus, I want you to come and be a part of me. No, what I'm called to do is I'm called to follow him, which means he's out front. Have you heard me say this a lot over the last couple of years? He's out front. Yeah, I'm inviting him into my life, but really, I need him out front to, for him to invite me and lead me into what he wants for me. Amen? The Lord will, what church? Personally go where? Ahead of you. Okay, that's some certainty. Look at what Romans 8, 28 says. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for him. You guys, some of you in this body right now, you're going through some stuff right now that is not good. You've come by my office. We've talked about some stuff that is not good. You called me on the phone. I've been in your home. You're going through stuff that is not good. But what I know in the uncertain times, I can be certain that if I'm called according to him, he can work things for my good, for his purpose. Amen? I want some certainty. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. That's certainty. Our verse of this series, Psalm 32, 8. Man, listen at this certainty. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Put me out front. I'll advise you. I'll watch over you. That is what we call some certainty within the uncertainty. And here's the thing, y'all. If we're not living with a little uncertainty, we're probably not living by faith. Because sometimes we just have to walk by. The scripture says the just shall live by, right? So compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's gonna happen there. So the spirit's prompting certain uncertainty, but here's the next thing we see, predictable resistance. When you are on the divine direction, pathway, you can expect some spiritual opposition. Amen? Paul says, I'm compelled by the Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen next, but look what he says. He says, I'm assured of one thing. I know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that what? Prison and hardships are facing me. Now, he didn't say just a couple of the places I'm going. But the ministry that I'm doing right now, the Holy Spirit has compelled me and shown me that every place I'm going, there's going to be some hard things I'm going to go through, and I may even wind up in prison. Prison and hardships. Now, I want to, I want to push you a little bit this morning, because as the American church, we don't have any clue about this. But what we do have a clue about is little things that will happen and we'll get all upset about something that happened or somebody didn't say something to me or something didn't go the way that I thought it should go in the church. And then so I go from this church to that church to this church to that church and I think I'm being persecuted. Paul would say, grow a backbone 
and realize that what you're facing ain't jack compared to prison and hardships. I am not trying to minimize church hurt. You've heard me say it many times, church hurt is real. And some of you have come to this house with church hurt, I get it. But y'all, even some of the most difficult things that we've walked through, when we deal with each other, does not compare to what the Apostle Paul was going through with prison and hardship. And sometimes we need to just grow a backbone, grow up spiritually, and we need to realize that everything's not always going to be perfect. And we, hey, listen, as long as we're still flesh and blood, we're going to hurt each other, right? I still have to ask for forgiveness for him and to you. I got that wrong, forgive me. I got that wrong, forgive me. I got that wrong, forgive me. And it's just how it's always gonna be as long as we're in these flesh and blood bodies, right? So give some people some grace. The enemy wants you to think that the church is the problem because the, the church is the only thing that Jesus ever built. And the church is what God is using to build you up and to help you and encourage you. And I know there's some bad and toxic situations out there. I get that. And I know, and again, I know I'm not trying to minimize that, but guys, can we just compare what we think are big deals to what Paul went through? Man, Paul was facing prison and hardships. Paul was really dealing with some difficult things. And, and sometimes we think, well, if, if, if I'm going through some resistance, well, think about this. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Amen. You're gonna face some opposition. And sometimes when things get difficult, we think, well, maybe God's not in on this. When do you think the enemy attacks? Not when you're sitting back, sipping lemonade on the back porch. It's when you are doing things that are coming against his mission to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you start getting into his territory, that's when he turns up the heat. And so when we're moving and advancing the kingdom of God, we can understand that there's gonna be resistance. We see it all throughout scripture. Watch this, Sarah resisted Abraham. Isaac's sons resisted Joseph. Saul resisted David. Jezebel resisted Elijah. Nebuchadnezzar resisted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Herod resisted John the Baptist. Everybody, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests, the Jews resisted Jesus. That same religious council resisted Peter. Rome resisted Paul. My goodness, if they would have quit because somebody hurt their feelings, we wouldn't be telling this story today. We need to understand that resistance might be there to help build us up. Maybe the struggle you're facing today is developing in you the strength you need for tomorrow. Resistance isn't a sign you're out of God's will. Actually, it may be an indication you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. So the Spirit's prompting, certain uncertainty, predictable resistance, and the final expectation for divine direction is uncommon confidence. So follow me here. We get the Spirit's prompting. We're compelled by the Spirit. 
certain uncertainty. We don't sure, we're not sure what's gonna happen. Predictable resistance, prison and hardships. Now you see all this going on and you think, now how is all of that gonna produce uncommon confidence? But then we have this word, however. Everybody say, however. Paul says, not sure what's going on. I know the Spirit's leading me, prison and hardships. However, say it again. However, I consider my life worth what? Nothing. Nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. My only aim is to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. My only aim is to testify to the gospel of the good news of God's grace. And y'all, this man had a lot to testify about. He was the leader of the resistance. He was holding the coats as people stoned Stephen, but God transformed his life. And he was never the same and he was compelled, and all of that inside of him said, you know what, I am driven. I am driven that even though I'm facing this, I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to complete the task. And what did Paul do? Paul wrote the biggest portion of the New Testament. He started churches in Asia Minor in Europe. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about what God did through him. He completely transformed history. A man who said, I'm not sure what's going to happen, is a man who God used to transform history. Paul was going step by step. Didn't know the, the full picture, but he was taking it step by step. So you're looking for plans for your future. You want to know, what is it that God's leading me to do? He wants to show you, but what he wants more than anything else is for you to obey Jesus today. Be faithful today. I can't see into the future, Pastor. I need to know. What do we say? God's word is a lamp into your feet, a light into your path. Paul didn't mastermind everything. He only was faithful to Jesus every day. And in spite of not knowing, and in spite of prison and hardships, Paul has uncommon confidence. Look at it. He says, my aim is to finish the race. My aim is to complete the task. My aim is to testify to the good news of God's grace. My aim is what should be our aim, that we stand before him one day and we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we all should be living for is the well done. And that's what drove Paul to spread the gospel. And he says, whatever happens, I'm gonna preach for the glory of Christ. I'm gonna plant churches for the glory of Christ. I may be chained in prison, but the guy I'm chained to is gonna hear about Jesus. And the guard who brings my meal is gonna hear about Jesus. And the person who owns this house that I'm under house arrest with is gonna hear about Jesus because that's what I've come to do. He says in Colossians, whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Evan, as you come and begin to play, Paul did not say, I have to be in the perfect place. Paul did not say, I have to do everything that I love. Paul didn't say, I have to do something that's my passion. Paul didn't say, well, I have to have a certain salary or I'm not going to do it. Paul said, Paul didn't say, I have to have everybody like me or no difficulties or problems. What he said was, wherever I am, whatever I do, 
I'll do it for the glory of God, whatever and wherever. And divine direction truly comes to us when we take the attitude of Paul who says, I consider my life worth nothing. So what have we learned over the last few weeks? Number one, what does God care about? This is where we start. Who before do? God cares more about who I am than what I'm doing. He cares more about the why, my motives, than what I'm doing. We get that right first. And how do we discern God's divine direction? What did we say last week? We walk. We walk with the wise. We put wise people around our lives. We ask for wisdom. And he says, I'll give you wisdom. And then we make a decision. Sometimes we just have to step out in faith and decide. And what are the expectations along this journey? We know in life, we know what the expectations are with our families. But what about with God? Here's what I can expect. I can expect the Spirit's prompting. As I'm praying, the Spirit's going to be leading me. I can expect certain uncertainty. I'm not going to know everything that's going to happen. I can expect predictable resistance. There's going to be people and things that are going to stand in my way and an enemy that doesn't want me to finish my race, right? Here's what else I can expect. As I'm walking and his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, I can expect uncommon confidence. He's going to give me the confidence I need to walk this out every single day. And what does the Lord say? He says, I will guide you. I'll advise you. I'll watch over you. You let me lead. You get me out in front. You put me first, and I'll take care of the rest. Amen? This is a good place for us to return to where we started 2023. Our vision, I'm really, I'm sorry, our theme for the year, abide in me. I was thinking about how our theme for 2023 fits so well with this series because if we are abiding in him then we can be assured that he's going to give us divine direction one of the things you've heard me say a lot over the last six and a half years is is that one of the ways that we can abide in Jesus every day is a daily prayer that we pray and we say God I give you my mind today Lord help me to think on the things of God God I submit to you my eyes today my ears God my mouth, put a guard at my mouth. Let me only say things that are encouraging and lift people up. God, I give you my heart today. Lord, I submit my heart, my desires, my spirit to you. God, I give you my hands, Lord. Allow these hands today, whatever they do today, to bring glory and honor to you. God, I give you my feet. Guide me and direct me, Lord. All of me today, I submit my whole self over to you. And Paul says something to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 that goes with that prayer. It's a, it, it goes hand in glove with this idea of what it means to abide in him. It's a very familiar passage, but it, it has this promise at the end that's a divine direction promise. Watch this. Paul says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. That's exactly what I just showed you. I give my body to God every day. My mind, my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my hands, my feet. God, all of me is yours today. And he says, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna let your body be a living and holy sacrifice. What does that mean? That means that Jesus died for me so I don't have to die. What does he want me to do? He wants me to 
to die to self every day. I don't have to die a physical death like he did, but I die to self every day. Anybody need to kill some things in your mind, in your eyes, in your ears, in your mouth, in your mouth? I'll say that one two or three times for me and all of us, desires in my heart, you get it? A living sacrifice daily, I know there's a lot of me in me. Anybody still have a lot of you in you? Man, way too much, way too much. But every day I submit that, and that's the act of worship he wants. And as I do this, watch this promise in verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior of the world. Let God transform you into a new person from the inside out. Change the way you think. If you think it can get right, then what you see, what you say, and what you hear, and what you do, and your desire is right. And then, everybody say then. Wow, watch this. Divine direction then you get all of that right, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Where does God's will start? It starts with me submitting all of me to all of Him. And what is His will for me? It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Anybody at Rinkin Church of God today want to walk in the good and pleasing and perfect will of the Lord? Anybody want to be and find divine direction for your life? Oh, he wants to give it to us. And it's so simple to be able to do that. And here, what we're talking about, and I just feel compelled by the Spirit right now to say this. What we're talking about right now is not coming to church and checking the box. We're not talking about being a cultural Southern Christian. We're talking about dying to self, putting Jesus out front, and every decision I make comes through him. Every decision about my job and my family and what I do and what I say, that he transforms me from the inside out. Amen? And I can't do that on my own. So today, as we come to prayer, as we bow our heads all over this room today, I want to pray for you and I want to pray for a couple groups of people today. First of all, I want to pray for those who are here today and would say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying this morning, and for me, divine direction needs to begin with putting Jesus first. I, I am out front. I'm leading everything about my life. Jesus is not in control. He's not the Lord of my life. I'm just kind of doing the thing. And after hearing this message today, I, I feel compelled by the Spirit that I need to make some changes, and I need to make a decision to make Jesus, Lord, and put him out in front. Maybe you've done that before and you've walked away. Maybe you've just kind of been doing the church thing, but he's really not the Lord. He's really not in charge. And you need to make an adjustment today. I would love to pray with you. If that's you, will you raise your hand and put it right back down? Go. Anybody in the room today? Thank you. Anybody else today? There's two hands I see. Any other hands this morning? who would say, that's me. I, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to put him out front. Anybody else today? Any other hands? Thank you. That's three hands. Any other hands today? Wow. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray this prayer together. Even if you didn't raise your hand, you can pray this prayer. And as we pray this today, here's what we understand. The scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. If we declare that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So we're asking God to forgive us of our sins. 
We're declaring that we believe that he's the son of God. He's the only way to heaven. And we are saying, God, I want you to be in charge of every part of my life. So I want to ask everybody in the room today to pray this prayer together out loud. Nobody praying alone. Everybody praying together. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he took my sins to the cross. I believe he died in my place. I believe you rose him to life. And I'd like to trust him now as my savior. I'd like to follow him now as Lord. From this day forward, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Can we give God praise today for those who made a decision for Christ? There were three in this service that I know of. I think there were seven or eight in the first service this morning who prayed that prayer with us. Man, praise God for that. How many of you today would say, Pastor, I'm, I'm in a situation right now where I need some divine direction. Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? I, I need some divine direction for an area in my life. As we all stand together this morning, I want to pray for you. God, you see those who raise their hand today and they need some divine direction. Some of them, it's with their job. They're trying to decide what the next step is with a new job or selling their company or making a move. Lord, I pray as they surrender everything over to you, God, that they would find you in the middle of that. Lord, give them a sensitivity to your spirit. Lord, I pray for those who are seeking direction regarding college, regarding a career, regarding school, our students and our young adults. God, I pray they would continue to lean in on you, give them a sensitivity to the things of God, guide in order and direct their steps, Lord Jesus. I pray those who are making decisions about family members, God, about their children or grandchildren, or maybe even their parents that are aging, they're trying to decide how to give their parents the best care. Lord, give them divine direction today. Lord, I pray for those who are trying to figure out what the next stage of life looks like. God, may they hear your word today that they'll obey every day and give you the rest and trust you in that. I thank you today, God, that as a result of your word over the last three weeks, there are going to be testimonies on the other side of this series of people who found clarity about things that they were praying about. And God, we want to give you all the glory for that. And we thank you for how you're going to work. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. So here's what, here's what we want to do as we, as we finish up today. Here's the questions that we need to ask ourselves in prayer. So what is it that the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do? What's he compelling you to do? What resistance might you face as you walk in obedience? Know that resistance may be there, but know that God's going to be there with you through it. And here's the other question. Are you daily offering yourself to God? Mind, eyes, mouth, ears, heart, hands, feet. Daily offering yourself to Him for that uncommon confidence that He can bring. Those questions are in the YouVersion Bible app. 
They're good questions to take with you, to be able to uh, pray and depend on Him. And so today, the worship team's going to lead us in this song that we opened up with. When they're done, I'll come back and lead you who are going to stick around to, to have our...